The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that proves it's never too late to make history. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today we're celebrating the birth of Rosie the Riveter, one of the most enduring icons of World War II and a versatile symbol of women's independence. The day was February 15, 1943. The now famous Rosie the Riveter We Can Do It poster was first displayed in Westinghouse factories. Copies of the poster hung on the walls for just two weeks and were only ever seen by the working women inside the factories. But thanks to a confluence of circumstances, including a hit song, a magazine cover, and second-wave feminism, the wartime poster was rediscovered decades later and given new life as an American symbol of female empowerment. In 1942, the year after the attack on Pearl Harbor, Nearly a million American troops were deployed overseas, and several million more were expected to follow in the years ahead. This mass exodus of able-bodied men sparked a panic at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It was predicted that, unless preventive measures were taken, acute labor shortages would develop, and the country's industry would grind to a halt by the end of 1943. Luckily, the solution was just as clear-cut as the problem itself. As one government study concluded, quote, With the exception of the few hundred thousand boys of pre-draft age, this gap in the workforce will have to be plugged almost entirely by women. In short order, millions of American women eagerly rose to the challenge, having long been deprived of opportunities to join the workforce. But in the early days of the war effort, the U.S. government thought that women might need some convincing. According to an internal report from the Office of War Information, quote, 
These jobs will have to be glorified as a patriotic war service if American women are to be persuaded to take them and stick to them. Their importance to a nation engaged in total war must be convincingly presented. To that end, the government called upon the wartime committees of private industries and the American media to help with the task, and the resulting posters and films that they generated became some of the most compelling and well-known images of World War II. Case in point is J. Howard Miller's We Can Do It poster. In late 1942, the Pittsburgh artist was hired by the Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company to create a series of motivational posters to hang inside its factories. The goal was to boost employee morale and productivity while also discouraging absenteeism or potential strikes. Miller produced 42 different posters in total, with each design displayed for just two weeks before being replaced by the next one. The We Can Do It poster began its two-week stint on February 15, 1943, when it was hung up in several Westinghouse factories in Pennsylvania and the Midwest. The image on the poster shows a female worker in denim coveralls and a red-and-white polka-dot bandana, which she wears as a headscarf. Sporting a stoic expression and one raised eyebrow, the figure looks toward the viewer as she draws back her shirt sleeve and flexes her bicep. A blue speech bubble above her head proclaims her now iconic catchphrase, and a Westinghouse employee ID badge pinned to her lapel tells us exactly to whom she's speaking. Miller took his inspiration for the poster from Geraldine Hoff Doyle, a 17-year-old metal stamp presser at a machine company in Ann Arbor, Michigan. A wire service photographer had taken her picture for a story on women in the workplace, and when Miller came across it in a newspaper, he decided to use her as a model for his latest poster, including her polka dot bandana. And while you might think it's strange that Miller would use a metal stamp presser as a model for his portrait of a riveter, there's actually nothing in the poster to suggest she's a riveter at all. In fact, the women the poster was made to inspire weren't riveters either. Their job was to make plasticized helmet liners, a task that in no way required riveting. Of course, Holly the helmet liner maker doesn't have the same ring to it as Rosie the riveter, but the truth of it is that J. Howard Miller never gave the character a name at all. The alliterative moniker was actually coined by a pair of songwriters, Red Evans, and John Jacob Loeb. In a strange coincidence, their song, Rosie the Riveter, was popularized by the Four Vagabonds around the same time that Miller's We Can Do It poster was tacked up in Westinghouse factories. The two works were completely unrelated at the time, as only 1,800 copies of the poster had been printed, and no one outside the factory walls had seen them. Still, the song did cover the same subject matter as the poster, singing the praises of women going to work in record numbers to tackle jobs they'd never done before. Take a listen. All the day long, where the rain or shine, she's a part of the assembly line. She's making history, working for victory, Rosie. The riveter keeps a sharp lookout for sabotage, sitting up there on the fuselage. That little friend can do more than a male can do, Rosie. The riveter, Rosie's got a boyfriend, Charlie. Charlie, he's a Marine. Rosie is protecting Charlie. Working overtime on the riveting machine. 
when they gave her a production knee. She was as proud as a girl could be. There's something true about red, white, and blue about Rosie. The According to Loeb's widow, the song wasn't based on any one woman in particular. The name Rosie was chosen simply because it went well with Riveter. But as the song became a national hit on the radio, Rosie began to take on a life of her own. She became a symbol of all the women who were doing their part to win the war, from the welders to the mechanics to the taxi drivers, nurses, firefighters, and yes, the Riveters. A few months after the song's debut, Rosie finally got a face to go with her name, but it wasn't the one we most associate her with today. Instead, the Rosie made popular during the war was created by illustrator Norman Rockwell as an apparent homage to the song. It first appeared on the cover of the Memorial Day issue of the Saturday Evening Post, and it depicts a muscular, red-headed woman wearing coveralls and goggles. She sits with an old-school rivet gun laid across her lap and is holding a sandwich in one hand with the other draped over her lunch pail, which is inscribed with her name. And if you look closely at the bottom of the image, you can see that her feet are resting on a tattered copy of Adolf Hitler's manifesto, Mein Kampf. Rockwell's cover was enormously popular, so much so that the U.S. government began using the art to advertise war bonds and to aid in recruiting. That usage cemented Rockwell's image as the definitive representation of Rosie the Riveter throughout the war. It's worth noting, though, that both Norman Rockwell and J. Howard Miller depicted only a very specific type of American woman, namely those who were feminine, traditionally attractive, and white. All the other women who made up America's wartime labor force went unsung by the government and the media including the hundreds of thousands of black women who had made the same sacrifices as their white colleagues. The government's recruitment campaign failed to reflect the diversity of wartime workers, but it did succeed in its mission to fill the gap left by active-duty soldiers. As Newsweek reported in August of 1943, quote, There are practically no jobs, it has been found, that cannot be adapted for women workers. In March of 1941, just under 11 million women were employed in the U.S., but by August of 1944, that number had risen to 18 million. You'd think the country would owe those women a debt of gratitude, but across the board, they received lower wages than men for the same work, and once the war was over, women were forced out of their roles to make way for returning veterans. Rosie the Riveter was pushed to the side along with them, and would remain largely forgotten for the next several decades. It wasn't until the early 1980s that the character returned to the spotlight, and when she did, it was in the form of Miller's We Can Do It poster. It's hard to pin down exactly how it happened, but in 1982, the poster was included in a Washington Post magazine article about wartime posters in the National Archives. The image was heavily circulated after its rediscovery, and somewhere along the way, it was mistakenly labeled as Rosie the Riveter, and the name just stuck. Around the same time, American feminists started looking for images from the past that they could recontextualize as symbols of female empowerment and sisterhood. It's possible that they considered Rockwell's Rosie for the job, but since that painting was still under copyright, 
and also featured a staunchly pro-war message through the inclusion of Mein Kampf, they settled on Miller's poster instead. From that point on, the We Can Do It image became what most people think of when they hear Rosie the Riveter. Even today, she holds a commanding place in pop culture, appearing in everything from advertisements to political campaigns to postage stamps. Modern depictions of Rosie have also become more inclusive over the years, casting her in a broader range of identities and underscoring the idea that the we in We Can Do It means all women. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to pass them along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.